went through that light, that hype cycle that you've seen where everyone gets really excited and they all get in the bandwagon. It doesn't do what they hoped it would and they all lose interest. Yeah. And then it slowly creeps back and becomes a boring, normal part of society. Right. And this happened multiple times in AI. And the newest thing we're excited about are these transformers. Welcome to Unlocking the AI Advantage podcast. We are here to fast track your success by leveraging the power of AI in business. Each episode brings you closer to the cutting edge of technology and entrepreneurship. Let's dive into the world of AI and make extraordinary strides in your journey. Are you ready? Let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to one more episode of Unlocking the AI Advantage podcast. This is your host, Ramesh Danta. I hope you've been enjoying the previous episodes. And today I'm pretty excited to talk about a topic that has garnered a lot of attention in the AI industry. Whether you are a user of AI, whether you are new to AI, I'm sure you heard about this topic. Okay, This is called generative AI. So today's episode, I would like to actually call it the practical guide to the generative AI. And for some of you, if I just say generative AI, you may not know what I'm talking about. But if I say chat GPT, I'm sure you will know what it is. Now, chat GPT is a tool based in this class of tools called generative AI, which has taken uh, by storm hundreds of millions of people all around the world have been exposed to generative AI through this uh, tool called ChatGPT. All right. So uh, today's episode, I'm going to talk about a few things. Number one, what is generative, generative AI? Number two, why should we care about generative AI and where is it going to help us? What are the use cases? Number three, um, a brief introduction to how generative AI actually works. We will not go into too many technical details, but just a, a quick overview of how generative AI works. All right. And then we will actually talk to a guest uh, who can give us uh, a perspective about generative AI, why it has taken off and how um, he's going to use, how he's using it in his company. And also he's also in academia as well. So what's happening there as well. So with that, so let's get started. All right. So what is generative AI and why is it called generative AI? So as the name suggests, right? So generative AI is about generating new and fresh content. Okay. Using AI. It's a subset of AI. So what content are we talking about? This could be text content. It could be videos. It could be images. It could even be a programming code. Okay. So for example, you want to write a blog article. Okay. So this generative AI tools, whatever tool we're talking about, have been trained using uh, the previous data, like lots of blog articles and then models, some algorithms that we used, right? Using that experience, the machines learn and then 
it can create in a blog article uh, for you on any topic. Okay. But similarly, you can create images. You can even actually create new videos. You, there are generative AI tools out there that you can give it a script and then it creates a video for you, right? It takes all the other uh, videos uh, that it has in its database and then actually it can create, it can uh, innovate on whatever data that it has. Um, so it's just not regurgitating whatever it has in the database, but it's actually innovating, creating new and fresh content. So at a high level, and a non-technical explanation, that's what generative AI is, right? It is actually machines, computers, using the past data, right? Past, uh, and then running algorithms, some algorithms, creating fresh new content by innovating um, on uh, the, you know, whatever the, the data that it has learned on, but is also keeps learning. Okay, so why is it uh, taken off? Um, so in November 2022, ChatGPT uh, from a company called OpenAI uh, was unveiled. And uh, suddenly people, uh, the content creators, for example, right, speaker marketing agencies, they could use access AI that they did not have access to AI. Previously, only large companies have been using uh, AI or implementing AI for prediction, prescriptive, uh, for data analytics uh, basis, but it was not uh, accessible to uh, you and me, like so people on the street, right? So to say, so Chat GPT suddenly opened the doors how they can use AI in their daily lives, right? You can create blogs. You can um, actually, you could, uh, you know, uh, students have been using it to solve problems. Uh, actually, there were examples of where a Chat GPT. Uh, you may have seen, um, has done uh, some advanced examinations in the past, right? So medical examinations, uh, so lawyer examinations. So it is, it's a, um, it's, it is taken off by storm. Okay, so now let's talk about how generative AI actually works, okay? So the way it works is um, using some, uh, so for example, some of the models. Okay, so this is, it goes into a little bit of a technical side, uh, but I will not go too deep here, right? So they use generative adversarial networks where, um, you know, there's a generator and then there's an, uh, a discriminator, which is the opposite side of uh, creating the content. So the discriminator um, is, uh, you know, it, it it's actually differentiates between real and, and generated data. So whereas the uh, generator um, actually comes up with the real data. Right. So, uh, by generated and adversarial uh, in the models, they uh, the gen generator gets better in creating, you know, uh, you know, better quality content, as an example. And then they also use other uh, models called variational autoencoders. Right. As I said, I don't want to go too deep into it, but some of the advanced models that are out there are used in uh, generative AI. Okay. And then they also use something called a recurrent neural networks. Neural networks is another uh, piece of the AI, uh, component of the AI that is uh, taken off uh, in, as well. Uh, it, it's, it's always been there, but they are used much more uh, in, in more recently in the generative AI space. Okay, so, and then why it has uh, taken off, the usage has taken off, at the same time, the models themselves have become advanced and they were 
that they had access to to trillions of parameters of data, and as a result, um, so uh, the chat GPT kind of tools are able to be put together. Okay, so it is just the usage along with the advances in the in the, uh, the storage and in the computing side of the world are also made generative AI possible. Okay. So what are the, some of the use cases that like it can be used? It can be used for text generation. It can be used for image generation. It could be used for video generation, music generation, and, and also synthesizing data as well, right? And then, um, so it can create fresh content for you. And more recently, some of the tools, they can uh, not only create text, but they can actually see and hear as well, right? So you could actually upload a, a homework as an example, okay, as an image, and then these tools, advanced tools, can read what's on the page in the homework and solve it for you, which is kind of scary, okay? So, so uh, these advances are happening all over the place. So now the question is, what are some of the tools so that you and I can use? Okay, so let me just go through uh, some of the popular tools, about 10 or so. And in the uh, you know a practical guide to generative AI, uh, we are also coming up with a, a document or a guide to go along with this podcast. So we will mention all these tools there as well. Okay. So some of the tools, uh, Chat GPT, as I already mentioned, is from a company called OpenAI, and uh, the free version is available. It can uh, see, hear, as well as read. Uh, so it can generate content. So it can create text content. It can see, uh, see images that you upload, and then it can also uh, you know hear uh, from the audio files as well. So it's one of the uh, tools that is got uh, you know head start over other tools. Okay. So and then uh, the other one is a GitHub Copilot. So this is for program programming side. So Copilot is also helping programmers uh, write code faster, uh, uh, higher quality code. So on the programming side, uh, Copilot and these kinds of tools um, can definitely enhance the productivity of the program. And the other tools that are there, Scribe, uh, it's an AI writing assistant, okay? So it's a given a prompt, it can write entire blog article. So even whether you use that article or not, you can at least get you started. And uh, um, uh, the other one is Alpha Code, uh, just like a co-pilot. It also helps with uh, with programming side. And Mid Journey is another one that you might have heard. This is on the image generation side. Pictory is another one. So they are on the image generation side. And uh, Synthesia is for video generation. So another popular tool that's used for video generation is Synthesia. And uh, because ChatGPT came from OpenAI, all the uh, big guys like uh, Google um, also have come out with their own versions. Bard, B-A-R-D, is another tool like ChatGPT-like tool um, that uh, it's a chatbot, it's a content generator, uh, so that uh, Google unveiled that one. Dali E, D-A-L-L-E, is the one that from OpenAI again, that's for um, images, okay? And then Cohere Generate, right? So this is another one. It uh, empowers the developers to, you know, craft dynamic dialogue systems, okay? So Cohere, Cohere Generate is another popular tool out there. Um, DALI-E has come up, uh, as I mentioned. Uh, it's a 
more advanced versions like DALL-E 2 is there, right? So another one is a Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E is another popular tool, which is like ChatGPT, and some people prefer Claude. So these are some of the popular tools, and uh, uh, we ourselves use extensively some of these tools. Uh, another tool that I should mention is Capwing, K-A-P-W-I-N-G, that we use for uh, the videos. So let me just now, the, this section, I want to talk about what tools we use, how we use them. So we definitely use ChatGPT, we also use Claude for, uh, you know, uh, text generation and blog articles, getting some ideas. Uh, we uh, we uh, experimented with Synthesia. Uh, we are using Capwing extensively for video editing um, and some of the videos that we put out there, okay? And we've been using DALI 2 and then Midjourney extensively for our images as well. So those are some of the popular tools. And on the programming side, we are experimenting with the Copilot. We are experimenting with the... Uh, uh, the auto uh, uh, code uh, that I mentioned uh, as well. So these are the ones we'll be making more tutorials on all the tools and how we use them. That's it. All right. So uh, without uh, further ado, now I would like to take you uh, to my conversation uh, with uh, an expert in this space, okay, in the generative AI space. And then later on, I'll come back and uh, wrap up this episode. All right. So this is uh, the episode about the a practical guide to generative AI. Now let's listen to uh, my conversation uh, with, with an expert. So Graham Moorhead is an adjunct professor at Gonzaga University and is teaching AI and ML. And his lab, Pandion, actually is working on unique models and is launching two startups, right? Real estate predictions and natural language and understanding. As you can see, he transcends both the learning and teaching aspect of AI, so in the real time, um, uh, working on those things, but at the same time applying those concepts along with the students in the lab to bring those concepts into real life uh, on the real estate side and as well as the natural language understanding, which is unlike what you have seen in the chat GPT as an example. So we'll get into all those aspects. So with that, Graham, welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here today. Go ahead, please introduce yourself. So I started out as a physicist, but then in my last semester, this is back in the 90s, I took a course on AI and I realized this is way more interesting. It felt like sci-fi. I mean, can this be a real job? And it turns out it can, and it is. So as soon as I finished my physics degree, I'm like, I'm never doing physics again. And I tried to start working in AI. It took a, a couple of years before I got my first job in AI. And back then, speech recognition counted as AI. And that's um, what I started out with in 97. And I never looked back. And I've been in so many different companies and startups ever since then. Excellent. So thank you very much, Graham, for being here today. And then, um, as we all know, what Generative AI has done in the last uh, I would say four months, uh, November 30, I believe, uh, uh, around that time frame, uh, OpenAI introduced uh, this this uh, chat GPT. And then uh, by end of January or, or in, sometime in February, 100 million users, right? And then it's, uh, since then, of course, Google and Microsoft and everybody has adopted their own versions of it. And then the companies like Midjourney. So, so let's lay the land out there. Uh, because we are calling it today as a guide to generative AI, right? AI is not new. It's been there forever. It has gone through multiple winters of AI. We know that, right? So this is after two winters now, it's a, 
the resurgence of AI has come recently. So the question to you on that note is, what are the things that led to this revolution of the generative AI that just, you know, just opened the doors? You know, it's, like the, it's almost like the floods that are coming our way. When I think about the winters of the past, remember we invented, someone invented the neural network in the late 50s. Yeah. And we thought it's going to be 20 years before we have something that can rival a human. That's what they actually thought. Some people actually thought that back then. And of course it yeah. didn't happen. So we went through that light, that hype cycle that you've seen where everyone gets really excited and they all get in the bandwagon. It doesn't do what they hoped it would and they all lose interest. Yeah. And then it slowly creeps back and becomes a boring, normal part of society. Right. And this happened multiple times in AI. And the newest thing we're excited about are these transformers. What I believe is going to happen is we're going to get to the point where we realize they don't do what we hoped they did. So we're going to lose some of that enthusiasm. But the cycles are so much quicker now that the next thing will probably be ready before we lose our, our hype about it. Now, why now, out of all this time, what led to this? And I think it's, we have, a, there's a whole lot of smart people in this field. There's thousands of smart people and they're just trying things. One thing I remember when I was in college and we were being taught differential equations, there was no rhyme or reason as to why this was tried or that was tried. It was like, they just had a, a bag of, a bag of tricks, bag of tools, and many, many smart people, you know, spent their whole careers and didn't give us anything while other others did. And there's kind of luck. And when we think about the different models that worked and the ones that didn't, there's luck there. The fact that we have thousands of really smart people trying things is what led to this. Some of them worked and some of them went viral, but I was so surprised that this went as viral as it did. Exactly. I've never seen anything, anything like that remotely. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've seen the curves that show the adoption of different technology, and this is unlike anything that we have seen in the past. I have my own, um, you know, hypothesis about what led to uh, you know, the success. I, I believe previously, for example, you know, 2019-20, I was working on a consulting engagement where we were trying to solve, um, you know, the AI for high-performance computing, right? So business problems. So it, it's, it's about that. But suddenly, I think that my belief is that we are, now we have shown, the AI has shown that it can solve problems that the you know, regular you know, people can have, whether it's, it's a writing a blog article or you know, creating an image that I can use. So um, those kinds of use cases, uh, scenarios uh, are made possible in a very realistic, as a human-like way, and then that led to the success. I mean, what, what's your uh, comment on that? Yeah, I think you're right. It's a human way. The chat interface was something everybody was familiar with. They knew how to interact with it. And the fact that something interesting came back made it so compelling. Yeah. A number of years ago, there's something called Cleverbot that tried to do the same thing. And what it did is it was just chat interface. You could chat with this AI. And every time you responded to something, it learned from you. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't as sophisticated. So after a while, it got boring because you started to realize that 
you realize very quickly it doesn't actually understand. The thing that's so compelling about this is that it gives responses that tricks the mind and makes you think it understands. That is so compelling. Excellent. I, I agree with uh, that, right? So with that um, uh, out of the way, so there are many players out here, right? So we heard of OpenAI, right? Sam Altman and all those, uh, right? So, uh, but he, it's not that OpenAI is the only thing that's out there, right? So there are lots of players. If you could lay out for the audience, you know, what, uh, who are the key players in the generative AI space that we should watch out for? I think we need to bring in the visual now. So there is something called the diffusion model that came out a while ago. Yep. And that started out just trying to remove noise. Stable Diffusion and OpenAI seem to be the leaders. Google probably has better technology, but has been holding back. They have a reputation to uphold. Um, Microsoft is now you know, deep in with OpenAI. So yeah. you can assume they have access to everything they have. And everybody who's been doing LLMs, large language models in general, and transformers, they can all be players. Amazon, Facebook, they're all going to be huge in this, but there's many small guys who are going to be influential too. Open Assistant, which came from Yannick Kilcher mm. in his group. That's going to be influential too. Yeah. So uh, one thing that I've uh, noted uh, along those lines, like it, there could be domain-specific large language models. For example, what I have seen is that Bloomberg came out with its own LLM, right? Yep. Uh, so basically a generative AI solution based on LLM for the financial data, right? So we probably will see those kinds of things happening in healthcare because uh, there's a lot of healthcare data on Google Health. They have that cloud, right? So I, I could see a pharmaceutical company or a you know, healthcare company with so much data, right? Uh, either partnering together for drug discovery and then uh, or even treatment uh, kind of things. I mean, do you see the domain-specific LLMs playing a large role or it's going to be very... Absolutely. Yeah. No, the big, the big companies are going to stick to the general case. Okay. OpenAI is never going to make one that's tuned for one small vertical. That's okay. why there's plenty of space for all these you know, smaller companies, such as LoxZ that I'm a part of, where we have generative AI being tuned just for marketing emails. On the same note, Graham, I think uh, nowadays we cannot have a discussion about AI without talking about uh, impact on jobs, right? Mm -hmm. So when the cars came, horse carriages went out, so it didn't end the world, but a new, you know, economy has developed, right? In terms of, uh, so now I see like a prompt engineer is a, a, a job, right? So this is where the linguists are coming back into, uh, you know, so who can, who, can, who can come up with a, you know, a better prompt, good prompt, you know, can get better answers from ChatGPT or any of those generative AI kind of thing. So on that note, so there will be impact on jobs. So what is your take on uh, the jobs and then how we should uh, adopt ourselves for this new AI economy? The whole prompt engineering thing is going to be a thing for a while. And this is because LLMs are touchy. If you say something exactly right, they'll do the right thing. If you say it just a little bit wrong, it does the wrong thing. 
think about it as working with a very temperamental coworker who every time you, you know, insult them a tiny bit, they go off the, you know, off the handle, you know. I love your examples, Grant. So I think I can relate to all those things. Awesome. So what we're going to get to, though, is something that understands a little better. So we're all going to be able to be a part of the AI community instead of just having to be a coder. So what this does, this bridges the gap between AI and non-coders. So we can use natural language and it will start to understand this. This means that if you want to design, you know, a new house, if you're an architect, you can talk about it and that will give you, you know, 80, 90% of the way there. And then you tweak the actual, the CAD CAM designs. If you're someone working in public policy, you can tell an AI to generate a document as a rough draft and it will generate a policy, rough draft. And then, you know, it gets you 90% of the way there. So this is how it's going to be for many, many jobs, many white collar jobs, and then eventually some blue collar jobs. And you're going to talk to an AI that's pretty smart. It's like having an idiot savant sitting next to you. They're going to do 90% of the work and then you still have to do the last tweak. Like right now, although a truck can drive autonomously across the country, when it's backing into an alleyway in New York City, a human has to drive. And it's a little bit like that played across all professions. Actually, um, I can relate to that one, right? So from a programming perspective, coding, we know that uh, generative AI is helping programmers. Uh, but can, can it completely write an application? Uh, for example, I could get the code out, like I can get Python code. Uh, but again, stitching these together to make an application, still, I will not be able to do it, right? So, um, I mean, those kinds of things. So you can fast forward. If I'm a programmer, it can, it can provide me the basic, uh, you know, the scaffolding, initial stuff that I don't have to do it. And then, but on top of it, uh, but I still need to make, whether you call it 10% or whatever that is, to make the final thing happen. So it cannot completely replace and make it, uh, you know, autonomous. You still need us so we can become more smarter in, in how we work with AI. That's what you're saying. Yes. There is a coming productivity explosion yeah. because 90% of the work that we do now can be done by an AI, but humans are still needed. And the good, the good news here is that if you don't know how to code, all you need to do is be able to speak your language. Thank you very much, Graham. Um, so it, it was very, very insightful discussion. Honestly, the way you laid out the intro itself is very, very fascinating. And that uh, is uh, extremely valuable. Folks, uh, I hope uh, you enjoyed my conversation with Graham Moorhead. Um, as, as I mentioned, uh, he is uh, in the academia world, along with the corporate world. He's got startups as well. And uh, so uh, he can give uh, us a better idea of how generative AI is being used both um, on the academic side as well, what's the research that's going on, as well as how it's being in the corporate world. Okay. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, along with this episode, we're putting together a practical guide to generative AI. Now, it's something that you can download. And to get uh, this uh, guide, please subscribe to the AIentrepreneurs.com um, newsletter. 
So it's theaientrepreneurs.com. Go there and then you can subscribe to the newsletter. And uh, once you get subscribed to the newsletter, you will get uh, the guide, a practical guide to generative AI and what's happening in the generative AI space. Okay. So with that, so thank you for your support. And um, so I will uh, see you in the next episode. And that's a wrap on another insightful episode. But remember, the power lies in applying what you have learned. If you found value in our conversation today, please share it with others who could benefit, subscribe for more, and consider leaving us a review. Visit theaientrepreneurs.com for more resources, including golden gems of articles, chat GPT prompts, AI tools, tutorials, gifts, and much more. Let's keep pushing the boundaries of what's possible. Until next time.